Okay. Too much horror business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I said all this horror business Greetings and salutations My name is Justin Lore And I'm Liam O'Donnell And you were listening to part 3 of Animals Gone Wild on Horror Business <laughs> Animals Gone Wild Now I feel like do you feel that because this is a complete series, you feel more of a desire to them to like be out there as a whole? I think they've all been done. What do you mean? I think it's been the market's tapped. <laughs> <laughs> like I think they've used every possible animal. No, what I mean is our episodes. What do you mean? Like uh, each of our episodes kind of stand alone in the past, but now we're part of a series. So do you feel like this need, like we need to get this series finished with so we can keep going to other things? Um. I mean, there's some. We got some cool stuff planned coming up. Yeah, but I mean, I like talking about when animals attack movies. Sure, sure, sure. I just feel like uh, I was just thinking about the the like timing of it all. It's like uh, I feel like I want to keep it going. Like if if we if we were to take like with the old episodes, if we took like three weeks off, yeah, yeah, and we came back and be like, all right, well here we are, and the, you haven't missed anything because it's part of a series. I'm kind of like people are sitting there. I mean. My guess is no one really cares, but in my brain, I'm thinking they're sitting there going, well, what's next? Come on, guys. Well, I, I would like to think so. I hope I so. I want to know about the next animals that are attacking. Well, we can tell you that the next two movies are Frogs. And Slugs. And Slugs. Those are not the movies we're doing today. No. Just but come next. They people should prepare. Yes. So today we're going to be talking about uh, 1972's Night of a Thousand Cats and... Uh- 1972's Pigs. Did they both come out in 72? Yes. That's Actually, they, they came out like two weeks apart from each other. Wow. Yeah. But before we go any further, I just, I, Liam, I got this, I got this problem. What is the problem? So uh, I got this, I got this cool idea for a shirt that I want to print, but I don't know any, I don't know anyone where, where I can print it from. Do you know anyone? <sighs> Look, I'm not here to tell you what to do. Okay. But in my experience, if you need something printed and you need it printed well, you need it printed classy. You need it printed in a way that makes you feel good as a human, in which your product is something you actually want to look at, and in which the people you're giving money to are probably not awful monsters. Where, where can I go for this? Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Oh, my. Okay. Okay. I've heard of them. Their website is www.xlvacx, right? Yes. I've heard of them. But here's the problem. I, I only got this rough idea for design, and I'm not an artist. Could they could they help me with that? You need to shut the fuck up because <laughs> all you need is a rough idea and they're skilled, talented, interesting, patient, importantly oh artists will work with you to come up with the best design for your purposes, for your business, for in your case, uh your little league team. Yes. Okay. Also your darts team. My darts team, my curling team. You do not curl, you motherfucker. My marathon pornography watching team. Mm, that's fair. One last thing I need from this company that you're talking of that you can visit at www.xlvacx.com. Sure. Despite my own lifestyle adhering to a strict abstinence from drugs and alcohol and the other things that kill us. <laughs> right. I need this company for some reason to have an owner who is not straight edge. If you say the owner of this company is not straight edge, and you have to say his name too... I'll be the happiest man on earth. Chris Reject is 100% not straight edge. Yes! 
And uh, yes, I, I am I am now hopeful to get my pornography watching t-shirts printed. Yes, and your pornography watching koozies and your pornography watching cum rags. Oh my god. Jesus. Pins. Pins are very important. I find usually when I am having a gathering of pornography enthusiasts. <laughs> we need that pins. pins. How else would you be able to identify each other? I agree. You, you guys should go to www.xlvacx.com to check out them. They're very good. Thanks very much to Reject and his uh, crew of Motley types for supporting the show. Yes, excellent. Um, so, Liam, have you done anything horror-related since we've last recorded? No, I have not. Crap. I've done a lot. You have done a lot. I've I'm done trying. A lot. To, I, I've, I'm I, so I'm I'm racking the old brain pan here, and I don't think I have. No, I saw Jaws at Steel Stacks. You did. It was awesome. I I talked on here how I recently played Jaws for my wife for the first time. She had never seen it. So good. She definitely enjoyed it. I guess. Wait, did I talk about the 3D dementia, John? No. Okay, I did go to one horror. Thing. Okay. Let me tell you about that, and then we can get into you because you have a million things. The 3D event was not only horror movies. However, it was many horror movies. Okay. Uh, the first one that we watched, so this was, let me let me back this up. This is an Exhumed Films event. Um, for those of you who don't know, one of the members of Exhumed Films, Harry Guerrero, he is a collector of prints. And for a while, he's been collecting these 3D prints for which they don't make either the right lenses or the right glasses for anymore. Mm -hmm. So you can't show them and have the same effect. Now, uh, he came close uh, in his own garage. He has a theater in his garage, and he had people over to watch Jaws 3D. Okay. and uh, Which, by the way, was the first Jaws movie that Sue's ever watched. And <laughs> he had the sort of classic color glasses. Yeah, yeah. And, and it worked. It was, it was fine. Um, he sort of developed his own glasses, which he manufactured himself. Like, he didn't physically make them, but he had them made himself with yeah, his yeah. designs. He redid the lenses for the camera to fit with his new design, and now he's showing these classic 3D movies in a way that you literally cannot see them anywhere else in the world, period. That makes me feel inadequate as a human being. <laughs> well, Because I mean, that dude has done so much... And I've done, and that's not his job. By the way, he exactly. does. He does all this for fun. He is yeah. a pipe fitter. That's what. Yeah, he does. I build Legos and watch horror movies. That's like my hobby. I'm not like I'm not like recreating, you know. So we started with Friday Thirteenth 3D. Okay. Uh, here's the thing. I have only seen that movie in the past in 2D, and it's fun. But I didn't really care that much about it. The added gags of the 3D, which in uh. That sort of movie, you expect all the 3D to be for actual scares. But there's a number of also gags. And I am a sucker for 3D gags. When it's not just like actually freaky, but when yeah. it's also like, oh my gosh, the shovel's coming to you for no reason. There's the shovel. I fucking die. I love that shit. And there's got a lot of it. I actually really liked it. And I, I kind of forget. I've often been in the, there's only one good Friday the 13th, and that's the first one. And everything after that's just trash. And the more that I have, as an adult, revisited these movies, if you lower the bar such that no Friday the 13th is Halloween. Yes. Then you realize that actually one through four are pretty good, with I think three and four being better than two. Two is like not as good, but it's it's not terrible. Three and four are a lot of fun, and I think parts of four are better 
than parts of any other slasher movie ever. Five is trash. It's an actual trash movie that should be burned and never shown again. Which one is, is that? Jason Return. F- five is the one where, uh, spoiler alert, it's not Jason. It's just some other guy. Gotcha. Who's like, gotcha. oh, remember that Jason thing? Oh, I cool. can start killing people, but people think it's Jason. It's so bad. And then six is when we get undead Jason. Okay. Six is the, I'm so drunk that I'm gonna dig up Jason's corpse. And put a metal rod in it for no reason. Oh no! Lightning has hit the metal rod, and now Jason is reanimated. I love it. I love it. I will not. I will be straight up. Six is actually surprisingly good. I actually will one hundred percent say one, three, four, and six are all fun times, and I could you could put them on, and they're not the best movies ever, but I have fun with them. Two is not great. Five is actual trash. Seven is almost funny because it's like Jason versus a psychic. Okay. So it's almost funny, but it's just boring. They just waste what is like a ridiculous premise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um and then eight is uh takes Manhattan, which is uh a terrible movie, but you know He takes a, Manhattan. Sort it's, of it's in a dumb sort of yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's like bad, but it's dumb and it's whatever. So uh, takes Manhattan and goes to hell are both like okay, these movies are terrible, but it's like kind of like tongue in cheek fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Jason X is like who gives a fuck about anything? Space. Yeah, it's like so funny. Anyway, okay, so there was that. Then there was another movie I actually had to skip out on the second film. And then there was a movie that I did catch before I had to come home. Uh, <clears throat> it's called uh, Rottweiler. Is it about a German Shepherd? How did you know? Because the... Yeah, so it's you know it's very much uh, it's worth bringing up because it's very much in the theme of our series, in which there's this vacation town I don't know in the woods, some California, out of some fucking place. Yeah, where tor- people go to go to the lake and they're gonna go swimming and it's like a vacationy place, uh, very much along the lines of Jaws. Okay. Only there's this project where they've been training these Rottweilers to be like attack dogs for the U.S. military, and the scientist in charge is like, "Hey guys, I don't know if you realize this, but the Rottweilers." Though they did get smarter and stronger, they don't so much actually respond to our commands. So maybe we should like, I don't know, like murder them all because now they're un you know, unstoppable killing machines. And the government's like, yo, like we hear what you're saying. And we could kill them all, but we'd rather like just move them to a new base that they'll be more secure at. And then midway the truck's just like, Oh no, I suck at driving and falls over and then all the white wires get get loose. And it's just like, let's protect ourselves from the Rottweilers. So it's lots of shots of like what looked to be pretty normal ass Rottweilers running into a room and growling. Yo, uh, side note, my neighbor has a Rottweiler named Nadia. And sometimes when he's out on the porch with her, she will run off her porch and come over to me and Pap's house. And she'll like, like tap at the door until my grandfather answers and gives her a biscuit. That happens like at least once a week in the summertime. Wow. It's adorable. (laughs) Well... Let me go ahead and let you know if you do see this movie, these Rottweilers are not adorable. Not friendly. They're not uh, friendly. They, lots of lots of them killing people and babies and things. They're they're crazy. Babies? Uh, yeah, it's 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 that's a no joke movie. And uh, but the guy who made it was there, and so that's cool. Uh, and it's not. It's fun. It's three D. It's three D attack dog movie. And then at the end, they're in a giant house that catches on fire. So it's like running in fire with attack dog movie. It's pretty cool. I, I liked it. It was not like deep or anything but it was like fun you know now uh on the matter of friday the 13th are you going to camp blood john up at uh mahoning in a few weeks i am i uh i think people should go i i really like exhumed i'll be just honest because that's the point of our podcast that the lineup is not my favorite lineup of 
sort of camp movies yeah, that we yeah. could have. But going to it is fun. It's fun to It's be always there. fun, yeah. So officially, yes, I'm going. Unofficially, as you well know, uh, this is a bad time of year for me working at the college. Students are coming back soon. So the pressure is college on students. to finish all my planning. Yes. The pressure is on to be present for like orientation and stuff like that. So <clears throat> I don't know if I'm actually going to have the free time to go. But okay. in theory, I'm going to Camp Blood. We'll Excellent. see how it actually works out. Cool. Um, what horror stuff have you done, Justin? So um, I finally watched... Devil's the Devil's Candy. What did you think? I liked it. Um, it had that guy. He's I don't know his name. He's like the character actor who's in a lot of movies. Um, he was in the thing that I remember most was he was in an episode of the X Files. He's a like kind of a heavy set guy, and he has the eye condition where his eyes yes, go back. And yes, forth. yes. He was also in Constantine. Yes, <laughs> I know you love. Constantine. I love Constantine. Um, no, I mean it was cool. It was like uh, it was Ethan Embry who. Um, one, I, I think it was Carly from the Final Girls pointed out like it's just jarring to see this guy in a horror movie because he was in like two of the biggest like teen movies of all time with Empire Records and Can't Hardly Wait. But he's done a lot of uh, genre films since then. He like did. this is not the first of his no, no, weird movies. But I mean, I think this is the one that's gotten the most attention. I would strongly disagree. What else is? I mean, I know he did Cheap the Thrills. Okay, because the one I remember him for most was the Don Coscarelli Masters of Horror episode. Did you not see Cheap Thrills? I didn't know. I would say Cheap Thrills got five times the attention oh, really? that Devil's Candy did. Huge. Oh. Huge. Hmm. I drove to Yonkers just to see it. Oh, yes. And I had already seen it. Interesting. So I like Devil's Candy. Um, I like the soundtrack. had a lot of Metallica in there. Um, I love Metallica. Uh, I also saw, and I'm going to preface this with, um, at the end of this, I'm going to tell Liam something that I, I did, and I think he's going to be disappointed in me. Oh, you you t- I'm mentioned gonna, I'm this. Gonna tell, but we're going to wait until the end of the not the end of the episode. After I talk about, okay. um, I went and saw the new Annabelle movie the other night. Uh, I'm already disappointed. Um, it. I have a complicated relationship with these movies. I know because you don't think they're that bad, but you hate the Warrens. I hate no. Well, this this they 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 kind of do away with any pretense of. The the Warrens are only like Vic, and it's not even that. It's it's just like I think they're uh, going off the rails. Um, I think it it, it, it it's kind of the same thing as um, I watched last night for the first time. Ouija, Origin of Evil, and I think like that movie, all the scenes where they're setting up terrifying shit to happen and creating atmosphere are really effective. But when it comes down to actual scares and actually being scary. They just kind of fall into that trap of like the new horror mentality of like, let's show something stereotypical. Um, the Annabelle movie, there actually were a couple of genuinely scary parts in that. Um, I would say if you like the Conjuring movies, if you like the James Wan stuff, go see it. Um, they set up, there was a lot of references to, uh, yeah, like we used to work at this covenant in uh, Romania and there was a nun there. and So they're setting up for the, the nun which is the next movie, which is based on the character from The Conjuring 2, Bonnie, uh, Bonnie Aaron, who I met. Uh, but I liked it overall. I didn't feel like it was a waste of money. I'll say that the It footage that they played before it was definitely worth the... Uh, was worth seeing it, because that... Um, I don't know if... Uh, I, I, it, it's, it's on the internet. Um, it's leaked. If you can find it, watch it. It's uh, Bill Skarsgård looks and acts and sounds like a child molester, and it's supremely scary. 
Um, but that was all like the new horror stuff that I did. I just don't know how you can put up with these movies. I really. That's fine. We, we should do an episode. I well, I really love. I will actually back that all up and say I actually really do enjoy the first Conjuring film. Yeah, yeah. Everything but after that, I think is trash. I the, the first Annabelle had two scary parts. Everything else, I was just like, this is watchable. But it's not like if we didn't have so much good horror to cover, I would insist on us covering this because I just think it'd be interesting. I just don't understand the appeal. It's like it's 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 like uh, it's probably how you maybe feel about like the Jersey Shore. We talking like the geological or the geographic location? No, of the TV I mean show? the TV show. I don't think it's that bad. I could say in the sense that you don't understand what it is that people like about it. Or do you actually completely understand why people like the Jersey Shore? I understand why people like the Jersey Shore. Oh, I don't understand. Why it's like, like watching. It's, it, it's like because people are. It, it, it's it's like, I mean, okay. It's because people are monsters. That sounds like why you like these movies. <laughs> no, no, no. These movies. These. <laughs> God damn it! Look, I'm just saying. After years and years and years of shitty mainstream horror, I like what James Wan is doing. <sighs> Um, I want to agree with you, but I don't see a huge difference between like Annabelle. I haven't seen obviously the new Annabelle, but the the other Annabelle, which was already one Annabelle too many. Yes. Um, I don't see a huge difference between that and like any number of other crappy mainstream horror movies. Like I don't see a big quality gap. And I would say some mainstream horror, like I will take Final Destination over that. Oh, see, I don't understand that. On Destination is a great fucking movie. Then we agree to disagree, which is one thing we can do. This is definitely one of calls we can agree to disagree on. You really think that... Oh, man. We're going to have to watch the Final Destination. I actually think the first Final Destination is pretty good. don't really like the second one. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think the third one is great. It's just like... look. It, it's just like, look at these creative ways we can kill people. That is more interesting to me than Annabelle, which can't even manage creative ways to kill people. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, now for now for the I saw it. It was good. I liked it. Everyone so else? wait, something on top of this, I'm going to judge you for. Yes. Oh my Jesus. Okay, go ahead. Do you remember when I was on the episode of Cinepunks and we got to talking about cannibal films? Sure. And Josh and I were of the notion of cannibal films are inherently racist and should not be watched. Yeah. And you were like, no, they're not necessary. They're 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 kind of sketchy, but they're still fun. No, no, no. I, w- I don't think I went that far. I think if you go back and listen, I mostly agreed with y'all, but I wasn't willing to say that they are without uh, deviation, just straight up racist. Okay. Because I didn't, because, and that was more based off the fact of knowing people who like those movies. Okay. And so I was like, well, I don't know that they all are. I will say that most of them are <laughs> uh, inherently racist films. The thing that sparked that was Green Inferno had just been released, and we yes. were talking about Eli Roth and his... Yes, he's the worst. I tried to watch Green Inferno. It's bad, right? Uh, I cannot tell you on the actual quality of the movie, because I made it as far as that dude getting hacked apart live, and fucking screaming, and then getting his head cut off, and then I was like, I cannot do this. <laughs> The the great part about Green Inferno, and by great I mean actually horribly disgusting, is how they go from that very quickly to diarrhea jokes. Yes. See, I um the rest of the movie, like I get it. 
you know, I, I was like kind of, I thought it was kind of corny how they were like filming everything. Yeah. And I, I, you know, knowing Eli Roth's personal beliefs, I, I definitely know that like he's riffing on like armchair activists and quote unquote snowflakes and quote unquote social justice warriors. All I'm saying is that, um, that scene where that fucking guy is cut apart is one of the most violent things I've ever seen in a movie. And it was sure. genuinely unsettling. Sure. Like, um, I can't even think about it without feeling sick to my stomach. Uh, so it's intense. It's very intense. It's very intense. So that's that's what I did. Um, so that was the thing. Just that you watched Green Inferno. I tried to watch Green Inferno. No, I don't have. A, I don't know why that's that's a th- what. Oh, but you felt like uh, you felt like Josh wouldn't want you to even try to watch it. I feel that yes, and I also feel that you would be judging me for not being able to finish it. Oh no, not at all. Okay. Why? It's a. Ter- I mean. I think your reason for not being able to finish it makes you a, a you know fucking weakling. But um, I think not being able to finish it in general, I'm if I wasn't in a theater with lots of people watching it, such that walking out at that time would have been super awkward. I think I would have walked out about the time where all the poop jokes started. Yeah, yeah, because that was just out of control. And then when they're like, "We'll just like get everyone high." We'll stuff this dead body with weed and then all the in the native americans will be high and then that's how we'll escape fuck you eli roth i agree all right well way to bring down the tenor of the podcast yeah it happens <laughs> but we should be on the upswing because we're talking about two utterly insane just fucking Speak, weird ass movies speaking of eli roth that's gonna lead us on our next one because eli roth was in a movie with a character named sugar stieglitz sugar stieglitz who was in our first film night of a thousand cats we'll be right back to talk about la noche de los mil gatos mil gatos these are hugo's pussy cats hugo takes good care of his pets He loves his cats and feeds them a very special recipe. Why did you stop? I found the right piece for my collection. He had the most original and unusual collection in the world. I'm going to show you something that only two people in the world know about. themselves they are only a harmless pussycat a thousand strong they become a man-eating machine after seeing this terrifying movie you will never be able to look another cat in the eye the management of this theater offers free burial insurance to anyone who dies of fright during the film caskets are optional on the west coast when the cats are hungry run for your lives There's 
there's literally the, the, the bare bones for like an IMDb entry on this movie. Did, did you look up? There's a couple articles that kind of go a little more in depth about it. Uh, no, I just looked and I look. I did. I wiki did it and did IMDb. So I, I guess we're back. <laughs> I mean, you can do a more official intro. Nah, that's want. fine. Uh, we're back to talk about Night of a Thousand Cats, a.k.a. La Noche de los Mil Gatos, a.k.a. Blood Feast. Released on August 3rd, 1972 in Mexico and November of 1974 in the U.S., it was written, directed, and produced by Rene Cardona Jr., who also directed Tenorera, Tintontera, Tintontera, The Bermuda Triangle, Cyclone, and his magnum opus, one of the greatest films ever directed. It's a movie that we should watch. Beaks, the movie. Beaks, the movie? Beaks. And here's the thing. I looked up Beaks. I couldn't find a TV show called Beaks. I couldn't find a comic book called Beaks. I couldn't find a book called Beaks. I don't understand why this is officially titled Beaks, the movie, to discern it from some other work entitled Beaks. What is it about? I didn't look it up. <sighs> See, how can you disrespect Tintontera that way? I mean, I'm not disrespecting it, but... Have you seen Tintontera? I obviously have not. Oh my God! So um, this will uh, this sounds like an aside, but it's actually relevant for understanding Night of a Thousand Cats. Tintin Terra is a film in which Hugo Stieglitz lives on a boat. Oh, also, this movie stars Hugo Stieglitz, and my side note is asking him about Hugo Stieglitz. So this is just perfect. So okay, let me just back this up. Y- y'all might be familiar with the name Hugo Stieglitz from Inglorious Bastards, a film that, with low recent events, has sudden importance in all of our lives since many of us are demanding 1,000 Nazi scalps. Nazi, I want 1,000 Nazi scalps. So in that movie, there's a giant uh, German dude named who uh, uh, Tarantino names Hugo Stieglitz. Uh, he's like this like turncoat dude who just like is, just hates Nazis, even though he's German. He just doesn't like Nazis. And so they free him, and they're like, we're going to help you kill Nazis. And he's like, cool, sounds cool. So uh, this is based off a real dude, Hugo Stieglitz. He was an actor... Um, surprisingly prolific, but in a lot of things that you probably have not seen. Um, I feel like one of the most mainstream things he ever did was, sounds actually ridiculous to even say that out loud, is uh, Nightmare City, a movie that um, I think we both like a lot, right? Yes, very good. Um, in, in, that's sort of one of these um, not quite zombie movies. It's, it's like the prototypical 28 Days Later movie. Like that and the crazies were the, were sure, the, the, sure. the, the, the forerunners of that. Um, so Hugo Stieglitz was sort of like this B-movie sex symbol guy. He's a Mexican actor. He did a lot of uh, Mexican films. His actual... So here's the thing about him to that sort of help you understand this dude. His name is actually Hugo Stieglitz Lopez. Yes. He is um, uh, from Mexico, but obviously... If you see him, he's he's more of a Caucasian Mexican gentleman and was able to play in a lot of European films, um, not as a Mexican gentleman. Like where, he, did, where did Stieglitz come in? Uh, well, I, I one of our American misconceptions about Latin America is that everyone's walking around with names that derive from Spanish, right? Gotcha, yeah, yeah. But my man's background is more German, you know, and they're like he's one of a, a you know a few people who are of other European descent, but grew up in places like Mexico, Chile. So another great example would be um, uh, one of our favorite directors, Alejandro Jodorowsky, who is of some amount of Polish-Jewish descent, but grew up in Latin America. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Hence Alejandro Jodorowsky. It's a deadly combination. So Hugo Stieglitz Lopez, I believe he's, I think, I'm totally guessing here, 
um, because there's not a lot of information on his Wikipedia page. But from what I understood, he was also of some amount of German descent. But he grew up in Mexico, started working in Mexico. His career is very sort of in Mexico at first. And then later on in life, was able to be in a number of European productions that were not necessarily Mexican productions. But if you look at his filmography, there's a lot of Spanish in here. There's a lot of, um, you know, uh, let me see here. So let me go back a little bit and we can edit this out. But um, La Noche de los Mil Gatos is in 1972. Before that, he was in Una para la Horca, uh, Los Desalmados, uh, Nido de Fieras. Yeah, my Spanish pronunciation is terrible. Uh, Un Pirata de Doce Años. I think that's the Pirate of Two Years. 12 years, two years, uh, Las Figuras de Arena. Uh, so th- there's a number of Spanish productions that he was in. Uh, and I say Spanish, that's not really fair of Spanish language productions. I think most of which were Mexican, but I know he did work in Spain for a while. And that some of the films he was in later, for example, nightmare city, uh, was a Italian production, but I think it was actually filmed in Spain. Gotcha. I think it's, gotcha. It was made in Spain. So all this to say he, never really made it that huge in america but he was in a lot of horror and a lot of exploitation films in europe a lot of euro trash uh he's a very sort of handsome sexy man and so the reason gotcha. i brought up tint and terror besides it's uh the same director is that tint and terror is a film that's supposed to be about a killer shark in which most of the movie is just he goes stieglitz betting various women in his boat well he lives in a boat he fucks a lot of ladies and then towards the end of the movie, oh, it turns out there's a shark. And some of these ladies, after he beds them, they're like, wow, that was really fun having sex with Hugo Stieglitz. I'll go for a swim. Oh, no, the shark ate me. But like the majority of the film is not the shark eating people. It's Hugo Stieglitz's sex life. And then only at the end is it like, oh, no, there's a shark. Oh, Hugo Stieglitz killed it while wearing almost nothing. Okay, that's the movie. Which is interesting. And I'll get back to that in a second. <laughs> <laughs> it also starred Anjanette Comer and... Zuma Faid as Gorgo, his Gorgo. his slow-witted assistant. I don't know what the budget of this movie is. I couldn't find it. You heard us talking about that. Almost nothing. But so let's get this uh, about both movies that we're doing on this episode. Every other movie we've done for The Animals Gone Wild has been about the animal. True. Orca was about an orca. True. Um, Piranha was about piranhas. Alligator was about an alligator. Razorback was had a razor back driving the plot along but part of our critique is that in within that realm there was a little too much time spent on the backwoods rapist yes and but, not enough time with the razorback but the razorback was still there both of these films um night of a thousand cats and pigs could have very very easily been called i don't know anything else and been accurate sure first off um night of a thousand cats now, I don't think it's night once in the entire movie. I think the entire film takes place in broad daylight, all the external scenes. Well, and, and, and not only that, it's, it's like a week. It's more probably. It's like a month yeah, yeah. of time so, has so passed this with these cats. This isn't Night of the Living Dead or Night of the Comet or Night of the Creeps or right. any other night right. of the movie where every the movie takes place in the, in the time frame of a single night. Secondly... There's not a thousand cats in this movie. I know maybe that's, it's a lot. There's of a cats. lot of cats. There's a, there's a, maybe a I'll say a hundred cats at the most. I'm leaning more towards half a thousand. Like you 500, think five hundred cats? I think that's okay. five hundred cats. But that that's that's there's no point in. I mean, look, Helen's face did not launch a thousand ships. We're not here to <laughs> nitpick numbers. Okay, but the cats play a very, 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 
very peripheral role in this movie. See, I would I would disagree. Um, but I think uh, I would disagree thematically. I think uh, with a plot, yes. Um, and and this was again my frustration with Razorback is that Razorback flirts with this in that um, Night of a Thousand Cats and Pigs are both films in which the animals are not actually the danger. The danger is people. Yes, yes, okay, yeah, But yeah, they yeah. represent a psychological reality. Yes. They represent a psychological state. And in fact, it was only after we watched Pigs a second time because the first version we watched was unwatchable trash and we had to get it on Blu-ray and watch it again. Yeah. Only on the second viewing of Pigs did I realize how similar these movies are. Yes. That actually, you pick two movies that use the same device in that... Um, these animals are both the way we just we uh, get rid of bodies. Yes, and they represent a psychological malfunction in one of our main characters. Absolutely. So the plot of Night of a Thousand Cats is Hugo Stieglitz plays Hugo, a man of indetermined wealth. He has a lot of it. He's got he a lot a, of money. A lot of money. Hugo likes to spend his days flying his helicopter around in all capital letters the city. Finding women, which he... Uh, I think it's... Mex- for those of you who care, I think it's Mexico City. Mexico City, yeah. So it's Mexico City. Uh, he flies his helicopter around Mexico City. He finds women on rooftops and in easily landable locations, seduces them from the sky. At one point, he gives a woman his phone number with his hands. Um, he then takes them back to his castle in the middle of the woods, which is in shambles. It's like an old monastery. Uh, he uh, has sex with them, as Hugo Stieglitz is wont to do. Um, he shows them around his castle. He shows them his cats. He ha- just a room full of cats. He's like a room, like a like a like a like a hall of cats. Um, and then he shows them his display of preserved human heads. He kills them and he feeds the bodies to the cats. Yeah, that's, that's a, the plot that's of this about, movie. That's about that's it. all that happens in this movie. Uh, there's some weird shit that goes on. Like the one woman he 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 is he is seeing. She is married, so uh, Hugo, Hugo Stevens is cuckolding someone in this movie. Uh, and then he's like friendly with her daughter, which was just kind of weird because he's like, she's like waving at him in the helicopter. And Hugo Stevens is always lurking in this movie. He's either lurking in the sky in his helicopter or he's lurking on his motorcycle. It feels as if the director had not quite figured out how to do cuts properly. Yes. There are multiple scenes where he is watching people. They don't see him. And then they basically like go past him. And you're like, he's right there. There's Hugo. Yeah, there's Did you Hugo. not see Hugo right there? There's a scene where the woman he's having sex with, her husband comes home. Hugo, Stieg- Hugo Stieglitz is sitting on his motorcycle. It's running 30 feet away. And there's like no other houses nearby. He's just watching them and no one, no one notices him. Um, so... Uh, I mean, you see, this movie isn't about like when you hear Night of a Thousand Cats, you think like, oh, shit, this movie's about like a horde of cats that escapes and, re- you know, spends they turn a town into mayhem for one night when this isn't really about the cats doing anything. It's about Hugo Stieglitz um, being a serial killer and disposing of the bodies with his cats and Gorgo. With the help of Gorgo. Um. It was entertaining. I mean, it was it was it was interesting to say the least. Like it didn't. It was a. It was not a good movie, but it was entertaining to watch. It was. Uh, I I didn't quite like what Liam and I said. Like the synopsis of this movie, you might think we're like simplifying it for time, but no, that's really all that happens in this movie. I mean, yes, yes. I, 
Also, Hugo Secrets hates these cats. <laughs> he doesn't like the cats. No, he loves the cats. I don't know, man. When, when one it's the... just a different attitude in other countries no, around I'm saying, cats. when that one cat got out, he had like a vendetta against it. Like, he was like repulsed. Wait a minute. No, the cat attacks him, though. The one he grabs and throws yeah, in he slow gets motion? A, it, it attacks them. So there's this one scene where a cat gets out. Liam says the cat attacks him. I don't think the cat attacks him. The cat attacks but, them. But Hugo Stieglitz grabs the cat, and he's like, I'll show you not to mess with Hugo Stieglitz. And he like... That's thro- not what he says. That's not what he said. He actually doesn't say anything. I think he like looks at the one who wings, and he's like, this is the only pussy I'm going to be throwing around the night. And then he dies. Jesus <laughs> he Christ. He doesn't say that. He then throws the cat for real might i add this isn't like a he throws a fucking the like this there were animals harmed in making this i'm pretty sure hugo stieglitz at least mentally and emotionally traumatized several cats he just tossed a cat over he fucking he threw a cat over a fence and it did like like a like a like a six million dollar man like over the thing and i mean it did make that noise but and then what happens it lands on its feet lands on its because it's a cat it's a cat but like I don't know, man. I just, I don't know if it's maybe like my own personal beliefs, like crying at this movie, but there was like maltreatment of some of these cats because I mean, even the scenes where they're disposing of the bodies, they're like throwing, they're like sh- fucking shoveling raw meat on these cats. <laughs> they're they're feeding them and I the know. cats are going a little crazy. When I feed for my the dog, meat, I don't but... throw food at her. I'm not like fucking weird. They're up in the sky. They're what in, are they going to be in the room with all the cats? These are human eating cats. They're, They're human eating cats. They, have, they do have a taste for blood. I mean, to be fair, at a certain point, he uh, throws Gorgo into the pit. Yes, several cats were killed by Gorgo's landing. I don't care what anyone says. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is that this is why he can treat the cats somewhat poorly because all he had to do was push Gorgo in, and Gorgo's gone. The cats ate him. That was actually kind of sad because I kind of like Gorgo. You would like Gorgo's the worst. How is Gorgo? There's a man. In this movie, who flies a helicopter around, because, seducing women because, and them. Because Hugo Stieglitz definitely has... Okay, let's back this whole thing Okay, up hang on a second. Bit. What's Gorgo's IQ? Let's take, let's take an over-under on Gorgo's IQ. It doesn't IQ. matter. Gorgo kills the one person that, that Hugo loves. Hugo decides, you know what? I really enjoyed this murdering people and feeding them to my cats thing. You don't think Hugo loves Gorgo? No, no, he loves this woman. And then Gorgo's like, I don't know. He's getting kind of soft in this lady. I should murder her, and then we have to feed her to the cats. And this is what I think is funny. Gorgo does this, right? Right. Gorgo murders this woman, the one woman he said, you know what, I don't have to kill you and feed you to my cats because I love you so much. Okay. And Gorgo murders her, and then he's like, oh, no, he's so mad at Gorgo, and he kind of beats Gorgo a little bit. And then, um, then they still feed the lady to the cats. And then... He's just fine with Gorgo, and he only murders Gorgo when Gorgo beats him at chess. And I love that detail that he's like, "Ah, you know, Gorgo, you murdered the only woman I ever loved, but how could I live without you? Oh, you won at chess, huh? Well, fuck you, Gorgo. It's like, I I mean, it's, I don't know if I'm... He was ready to move on from woman murder. (laughs) Okay. Slash feline care. Okay. Hugo Stieglitz kills when as a pastime to satisfy some pathological need. I don't know. But he kills a man over a game of chess. <laughs> he kills... The most understandable kill in the movie. a mentally handicapped man. We don't know that. You're just assuming because he can't speak that he's handicapped. Okay, so anyone who's listening right now and who's seen Night of a Thousand Cats, email us at theharbiz <laughs> at gmail.com or get at me at Twitter. No one has ever and emailed tell me, you. T- yes, they have. And tell me, tell me, please tell me, 
if you think Gorgo, or no, better right, just Google image Gorgo <laughs> from Night of a Thousand Cats. That's what I'm saying. You can't judge from watch his the video. Watch the video. Watch the video. Watch this movie, and then tell me if Gorgo is not All right. a mentally challenged we man. Gotta being, back, we got to back. Being taken advantage by a rich psychopathic asshole well i mean that's fair but let's back this whole train up here's what y'all gotta understand okay there's probably a number of people listening to this who tuned in excited to hear us talk about night of a thousand cats because they are a fan of this classic piece of exploitation from the director of beaks the movie (laughs) and they instead of getting the respect that they you know deserve they're getting justin over here yelling about the this and the that and just i like this movie it was a fun movie i'm just (laughs) here's the deal let me let me just help y'all out with this if you do what we did, which is watch the version of Night of a Thousand Cats that's available on Amazon, you are getting the 105-minute version of the film, not the 91-minute version of the film. Now, according to the internet, the versions aren't necessarily that different. Uh, what I've read is that though the 91-minute version is longer and that large sections of it are in a completely different order. So, for example, in the version we watched, there's a scene where... He's in a boat with some woman who's not any of the women he's currently seeing. Yes. He chases this woman and murders her in the water, and it's not clear how that fits into the plot. In the 90-minute version, that's the beginning of the movie. That's how the movie mm. starts. So um, I don't bring that up to like necessarily say much other than to say there are significant differences between the 90-minute version. Now, the people I know who love this movie are often people who had the same experience I did. Okay. One year at Harathon, um, you know how Harathon works. For those of you who don't, it, you go, it starts at noon, movies start playing, you have no idea what's going to play, and oftentimes in the middle of the night, something crazy comes on. So we've been watching all kinds of movies that year. Some were great, some were not so great. Didn't know what to expect, and all of a sudden, motherfucking Night of a Thousand Cats comes up. No one knows what it is. And the version we're watching is, in fact, the 90-minute version. And I think, for us, we were enchanted by the insanity of it. Like, this movie could actually be called um, Sex Through Helicopter. Like, that's what the movie is, is Hugo Stieglitz. (laughs) And and, and Justin described it a little bit, but y'all don't understand, because, again, the version we watched was shorter, so it was less obvious. But in the version that, that I saw originally, he spends a lot of time just flying around in this helicopter, seeing women and just making eyes at them. And the thing is, he has sunglasses on. So it's not even like he's doing a lot of eye acting. And he's just looking at them. And then they're just deciding, should we have sex? Should we not have sex? But in the 90 version, it's also clear that he this whole pattern of him sleeping with anyone he wants, right? And then murdering them is already pretty well established. So that what what the plot of the movie is, is all of a sudden some of these women who just assumes are going to jump in his helicopter yeah. are like not getting that stoked. And in fact, the that's sort of this interaction with this woman and her child is that he has to work a little harder to get this woman. And yes, it's partly because she's married, but he sort of like goes out of his way. Now, the other thing that we haven't really said is that... Um, a big part of his character is that he is a collector and he is creating the ultimate collection. Now his ultimate collection happens to be, you know, severed human heads. Yes. Everyone has their own thing going on. Yeah. I'm so not, he's, I'm just, not he's, just exce- he's just eccentric. He's just eccentric. He's eccentric. I can't even say it right. The point is, is that he definitely shows these women a good time before he murders them. And he even murders one man. They don't have sex, but he, he'll murder men too. Yeah, he's not, I mean, he's a, uh, 
Oh, also, did we mention the giant brandy glasses that he has? <laughs> we'll get there. The point is, is that the, uh, Justin's right. At a certain level, the movie's not well written no, or it's well not, plotted. It's not a technically good film, but, but it's still fun to watch because it's like, what am I watching and what's well, going to happen next? You haven't really, though, gotten to the point, and this is what I want to make sure we do, to, to describe the parts that I think are awesome. Like, one, even though you know Hugo Stieglitz is going to murder these women, and so the movie's about him being this awful man, he spends a good amount of time with these ladies being super smooth. So it's like weirdly also kind of like him being sexy, which I think is really funny. Like just him, like, and so part of that is these, he has these snifters of brandy that are literally the size of goldfish bowls. They're just giant. And he's always warming them on candles to warm his brandy. But it's like not, it's not like he has this giant thing because he's drinking that much brandy. It's not like he's like, I need a gallon of brandy to live. He's drinking an actual rational amount of brandy. Just in a giant glass. It's a two gallon glass that he's just- Uh, I wouldn't go that, I'd say a gallon. Either way, yeah, yeah, you could legitimately keep a fish in there, and it would be okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the point is, is that um, I say that that's part of it. Then when we're describing the cat thing, uh, Justin did a really shitty job with the cat thing. Let me help you all out. How did I do a shitty the thing? Cats, the cats are not in a room. That's bullshit. We're in a giant vaulted ceiling area in which uh, Hugo okay, is is so- in. Will you shut the fuck up? And so Hugo is up in what is kind of like a balcony, but it's more like. Um, the sort of area where a king would look down on a court. and I this, said a hall. That's this, exactly what it no, is. No, 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 no. It's way bigger than that. And this lower part of this room has a fence around it to keep in the cats. So the cats are below pen. him, but the pen is huge. It's so big, the pen, that I legitimately think there are 500 cats in there, and they're like not exactly on top of each other. Like They can move around a little bit. But... What happens is he takes this meat, which is just ground pork or something, but you know, you're supposed to believe it's human meat, and he's tossing it into the pen with the cats, and we're getting these excruciatingly long slow motion shots of cats fighting over meat, just jumping on each other and doing whatever, and then they're just like and it's not like a normal cat noise. Like if you've heard cats fight or you've it's heard cat, cats disagree, whatever. It's an extended slow motion noise too of these cats just going. It's a cat. It's a cat in heat. It sounds like cat in heat. And as they're like jumping in slow motion, and that in and of itself is fucking insanity. And Justin downplayed it because he doesn't respect filmmaking. But um, he downplayed <laughs> the intensity of this cat moment. But then this is what makes the movie to me brilliant in a really terrible way and helpful for us as we're talking about pigs. There are multiple moments where Hugo is frustrated. He's hitting on these women. He's interacting with them. And when he first hits on them, it's not like, you know, we describe him as a serial killer. But a lot of times when we see serial killers in films, they're these sweaty, desperate men who can't see other people as humans. Hugo is charming and sexy. And you almost think, like, "Mm, maybe he'll not murder this woman because he's interacting with her. But, like, at certain moments when he's interacting with her, all of a sudden we get this cut to the cats. It's representing his insanity. And it's like you really start to realize that even though in the film he presents it like, oh, I'm just collecting human heads, as you do, and the cats are just here to eat the bodies, and that's it. And he also eats the human flesh. So let's clarify, he's also a cannibal. Yeah. But um, it's clear in the way the movie functions that the cats are like his psychosis. It's like this thing. And that sounds like, oh, well, it's trying to be deep, and it's not. It's not deep, 
but it's so not deep that it makes the movie that much fucking funnier to me. These constant shots of the cats at every time Hugo thinks, am I going to kill this lady? And then you just see the cats jumping in the air with the sound. Every time I think, fucking great, man. I was going to say, I'll give this movie credit for one thing, and that it, it does really, um, I, I think the phenomenon of like a serial killer, I think the way Hugo Stieglitz is portrayed um it's interesting because it it shows like he has like the souvenirs like the heads right. you know he's 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 very outwardly charming but clearly devoid of any real right human exactly. emotion exactly um he has like a constant need to be in like control like when he kills gorgo for winning at chess um so it's i i think it's a it's a much more realistic portrayal of how a serial killer acts than say Silence of the Lambs, where fucking Anthony Hopkins is this suave, smooth man, and he's, you know, oh, hello, Clarice, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, this movie, it, it definitely shows that by all outward appearances, Hugo Stieglitz is like this, like, charming playboy, but you don't have to dig very deep to see that, like, there's something, like, deeply wrong with this guy. Sure, but it, I, let's not overblow this, no, no, the, not, the, the actual psychology involved. Yeah, in no, no, it. I'm just, I'm just I, I, but let me be clear. I don't think that was a deliberate point, point made by Rene Cordona Jr. To be like, I don't think he was reading like the D, DSM, like, well, this is what man, psychosis would do. He would keep souvenirs. He was just like, you know what would be cool? If we had fucking heads in a box. Well, and it's also funny. It's it's actually my favorite part of the movie, but if you, if we're going to be just slightly political for a second, the fact that they do try to give Hugo's character a backstory with this woman that he falls in love with is actually the most offensive part of the movie because he's already murdering it. It's not that he was never going to murder women, but yeah. he fell in love with a woman and then crazy asshole uh, Gorgo murders the woman and whatever. He's already been murdering. Yeah. But he decides, you know what? This one, she's not so bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to keep her around. And then it's dumbass Gorgo ruins it for yeah. everybody. Yeah, it's not like this isn't this isn't a story where like Hugo Stieglitz is once like a normal human being and he is wronged and he has to take revenge, which even that would be fucking bullshit. This is like it, 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 it's ridiculous cuz it's like um he is killed at least five other people, and then he gets mad at Gorgo for doing it. it I don't know. Well, no, this is early. He, there's a flashback point. Yeah, and again, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The version we saw was also... I mean, I, mean, I will say this. I love this movie. Um, I think Justin's like, it's an entertaining. He's not as in love with as I am. But I actually wouldn't recommend it because the version that I saw that I thought was... Again, it's lo it's longer. It's an actual movie length of 90 minutes. So that might actually be a turnoff for you. But I think it's cut together better. So it made a little bit more sense to me, but I don't know that the movie needs to make sense in this case. Cause it's just crazy pants. All that to say, I wouldn't actually recommend it. Cause I think the version that's on Amazon is ugly. It's like hard to see. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and it's shorter. So, you know, wait till someone finally puts out a real release of this thing. I don't know. That's yeah, the probably version, never going to happen. The version we watched was what? 70 minutes. It wasn't long yeah, at all. It was very short, and I think it gets a little messy, and you have to really pay attention because it's not clear when the time shifts. So, like sometimes you're like, "Wait, that's not the same woman from the other part of the movie." Like, I just think it's confusing it, the way it's cut on the Amazon version. But then again, I, I will own that seeing a movie with a bunch of people that you're not expecting at like one in the morning, two in the morning is like a different experience. So maybe oh, you yeah. just have like uh, very positive images of it. But for me. Oh my god, the room of cats is so ridiculous. I just love it, and I just, I just find Hugo Stieglitz to be such a weird 
presence in movies like such a strange guy that uh, i don't know something about it really we, to me. we do know hugo siegel's sleeping habits after this he always sleeps in his stomach and he never wears pants never wears pants. every time they show him he's sleeping he's like laying there with his, his his sculpted buttocks just out sure 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 they're really trying to maximize the amount of nudity they can get out of this movie very true <laughs> so i don't know um you know, there's nothing deep at all to this film. It's barely a movie in a real way. But it's still, I mean, it's not like, I wouldn't say this was a, I don't know what the budget was, but for what, literally no money for, for what they were doing with what they had. I, I can't fault this movie for that. This isn't like a movie. This isn't a movie where they threw millions of dollars at it. And then it turns it out sucking cough, cough, Rob zombies, 31. This was a movie where like a director, who maybe wasn't like technically the best got a little bit of money and made a movie and it shows i I mean he definitely spent a little too much money on the helicopter budget because most (laughs) of the movie is the fucking helicopter yeah but i mean that being said like you can't fault this movie for like it does what it can with what it has sure and there's a virtue in that i agree i think that that's fair and i think that um like i said if you have the uh if you if you see advertised somewhere a 35 millimeter screening of this movie i would actually go check it out because yeah, it's fun. i think the longer cut is 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 a lot of fun and i think at least the print that i saw and i think if you're seeing a print in the united states it's probably going to be harry's print um from exhumed uh it looked pretty good actually it's not i mean it's not clean but it's 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 actually a better looking print than whatever they used for this amazon version and then i say the amazon version like it's their fault that's just the u.s cut the u.s release of this film was not a full movie length <laughs> yeah no no this was... so you know it is what it is it's a it's a fun little weird thing with uh especially if you're someone who's afraid of cats there's a whole thing at the end where the cats get loose and they start attacking mm-hmm. and it's the only part where they that fits our animals attack john i do i do want to say the only note i took for this movie was just cat painting because in the very beginning he's got this insane painting of a cat it's not even like a pretty cat no. it's like an angry cat yeah like you think you would uh, before you even saw the room of cats you think you'd walk in the house see that angry cat painting and go maybe i don't want to have sex with this man no yeah it's it's it and it, i mean it's not like one of those like hairless cats that terrify me like those there's i love the hairless have you ever, cats uh, the, okay the only cat the only hairless cat i've ever seen where i'm like uh is um sarah and cody gore have that cat thanos you ever see pictures of him? No. He's pretty cool. He's an okay. I'm okay with Thanos. But like every other cat is like, every other hairless cat I've seen, it, it looks like it's like, um, it's going to start talking and being like, I'll give you what you want, Justin, but you must say you love Satan. And I'm like, get out of here. Like, that's what hairless cats that look like. That sounds right me. up your alley. Why would that scare you? Because uh, I don't know. If Satan was real, I'd be bummed. Um, I like hairless cats. So, okay. So what we got from this is uh, Liam hates mentally challenged people. Really loves do. hairless cats. Love hairless cats. And um, would have sex with a guy who had a helicopter. If I was out on my back door deck, dork, my back dork. Back dork. <laughs> if I was on my back deck right now and a helicopter pulled down and it was a guy who looked like Hugo Stieglitz and he just gave me that look like, yo. Start telling helicopter. you what his phone number was with his hands. Well, he would drop his rope ladder His first. rope ladder, yes, yes. I love that, that. That's the come on is like, hey, lady, and you just kick your oh. rope ladder out, like climb this rope ladder. We should also note that when we say helicopter, this isn't like some like fancy Bruce Wayne helicopter. This is like a crop spraying helicopter, you know, with like the bubble, the bubble cockpit and the very skeletal tail. And he literally pulls into people's backyards like there's one lady. She's trying to answer the phone. <laughs> 
and he's outside with the helicopter, <laughs> and she's on the phone. And she's literally like, I don't know. There's some guy with a helicopter, yeah. and she's not. Alone. She's not like. Uh, Send the cops, please. There's a man in a helicopter just laying in my yard. She's just like, I gotta call you back. There's a guy in a helicopter in my yard. Helicopter guy. I don't know. I think he wants to have sex with me and then maybe feed me to cats. She's a very attractive lady too. She is. Yes. I get why he stopped the helicopter. Oh yeah. But I just think I don't know. It just seems in the real world you need more conversation than just here's my helicopter. Yes. Here's the rope ladder. Let's see what happens. Let's see. What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? I mean, it's not like I'm gonna feed you to a room full of cats. As soon as okay, oh. can we back this up too? I, we didn't say this at the beginning, but you mentioned that the movie was also named Blood Feast. It's important to know that the movie was originally named Blood Feast, and then they the then they realized there was a movie named Blood Feast. Is there another movie called Blood Feast? Yeah, you you know, the uh, the uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so there's already a Blood Feast. So then they're like. What do we name this fucking movie? I, I guess. How about we call thousand. it Night of 999 Cats? And they're like, there's already a movie called Night of 999 Cats. He was like, round it up to a thousand. <laughs> they were, they were going to say, well, we have 350 cats in the movie. And they're like, that's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> so many cats. All right. So I think, I think that's about it we got for Night of a Thousand Cats. I mean, look, do I think that you, the listener, should watch every Hugo Stieglitz movie and write about it for Cinepunks.com? Yes. yes, I fucking do. So that's all you should focus on. Forget everything we said about Night of a Thousand Cats. Start this Hugo Cine- Stieglitz piece right now. Cinepunks should do it. Should do an episode on Hugo Stieglitz. No, that's not gonna happen. Very true. Josh doesn't want to watch Night of a Thousand Cats, let alone Titantara, let alone the million other fucking movies on his film list. Yeah. Which, by the way, goes up to 2013. In case you're wondering, Hugo Stieglitz is not dead. Is he, is he still, he's still relatively... He was in a movie in 2013. What was that movie called? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I, hope it's I like... just looked at it. It was something um, I didn't recognize. It's not like he was in a movie that you're like, oh, I saw that. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was in uh, Interstellar with Matthew McConaughey. In 2013, he was in a movie called Instructions Not Included. In 2016, he's supposed to be in something called Senora Acero La Coyote. That means Mr... Acero the Coyote. So for Senora, so it'd be Mrs. Mrs. Yeah, damn it. Uh, before that, he was in a movie in 2011, or a TV series in 2011. Yeah, he's been working pretty... Uh, uh, but, you know, a lot of these are Spanish-language productions that I don't necessarily recognize. It doesn't mean they're not great, but I just don't know. I'm not like, oh, sure, I know that one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and he's only been in a few uh, Hollywood films, including 1998's Naked Lies. That sounds like something that maybe Eric Roberts is in. I yeah, might have yeah. to watch that sometime. All right, so that was Night of a Thousand Cats. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, I guess, and when we get back, we're going to talk about the movie we've done so far with the most alternative titles. Alternate, alternate titles. 1972's Pigs. Pigs. Something should be done about that man. Please. No! 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 
This is Jeffrey Combs, you know, reanimator from beyond, etc. You're listening to Horror Business. And we're back to talk about 1972's Pigs, a.k.a. Deadly's Dad- Daddy's Deadly Darling, a.k.a. Daddy's Girl, a.k.a. The Strange Love Exorcist, a.k.a. Roadside Torture Chamber, a.k.a. The Sex Exorcist, a.k.a. The Thirteenth Pig, a.k.a. Blood Pen. I feel like I was like an MC at like a Wu-Tang concert, like introducing like... Some forgotten member of the Wu Tang Clan who has like forty nicknames. It's an it's it's an unbelievable amount of titles, and it's I know that that um, the multiple titles thing is just like a, a factor of that time in yes. filmmaking. Like I get that, but it's still weird to me when you see that many titles. And we're going to talk about why that movie had so many titles shortly. Uh, this film was released on August sixteenth, nineteen seventy-two. It was written and directed by Mark Lawrence, who was a rather prolific uh, character actor from the thirties onwards. Um, I he literally had too many films to name that he was in. He was big in like westerns, um, but he only had a few uh, directing credits. Uh, this and and a movie called Nightmare in the Sun were his only feature-length films uh, where he he directed it. Uh, the film was produced by Mark Lawrence and Donald Reynolds, who also produced. Money to Burn, and was distributed by Troma Films. <laughs> Side note, um, this might be the best Troma film I've ever seen. Uh, it's Well, it's not a Troma film, right? It's a distributed by. But, okay, yeah. I, 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 I'm not trying to be picky about that. It's, no, I mean, it wasn't like... It's more like, like I, I think it's far above... I don't, I don't know what the best Troma-produced movie is. When it comes to Troma-distributed movies, Class of 1984 is probably my okay. favorite. Uh, uh, very true, yeah. The movie stars Mark Lawrence's daughter, Tony Lawrence, uh, Jesse Vint, who was in T.J. Hooker, Walking Tall, Chips and the Incredible Hulk, and Paul Hickey and Catherine Ross. The budget was $100,000. Impressive. I mean, that they did that much with 100 sure. And then, this was kind of interesting. I, I don't know if he actually did any of the original music, but he's credited in the movie. Um, the composer, Charles Bernstein, 
who did the music for the film The Entity with Barbara Hershey. Sure. Are you familiar with it? Yeah. Um, that There is a piece in The Entity that is my favorite little snippet of horror music okay. ever used in a horror movie. Okay. And it's so fucking ominous and so scary and... Um, and it's about a, it's about a woman being raped, so it's like perfect for that. Um, and I, the reason I I say I don't know if he did any original music for this was because you hear a snippet of that music when uh, Mark Lawrence is like feeding a guy to a pig. See, if you had looked at the IMDb trivia, um, what's this? What's this printed out stuff? Oh, that's weird. It's well, almost, then it says he oh. did a piece of original music because uh, he sang vocals on that weird driving song. Really? That's him singing because he couldn't find a singer. To sing it for him, so he just did it himself. The driving on the road in the boat. That is Charles Bernstein. That's awesome. That's so cool. So the plot of pigs. uh, Okay, so let's just get this out of the way. This movie, as Liam and I found out, had multiple... There's multiple cuts of this movie, first of all. Yeah, the different titles don't just represent different releases, though they do. They also represent different versions where they tacked on beginning and end pieces to sort of change the plot of the movie. A little little bit. Okay, so Pigs is the title we're going to go by. The alternate title of that is Daddy's Deadly Darling. And then there's Daddy's Girl. Mm -hmm. I think both, uh, I think those titles are accurate to what we saw. Like those titles could apply to what we were watching. Sure, but the the version, the first version we watched, had added scenes that made it even more about that. Yes, yes. Um, now you're probably wondering well, why why is a strange love exorcist and sex exorcist sex exorcist amongst the titles? It's because um, when they first started making this movie, they shot an alternate alternate opening where a priest visits a house because there's a girl who's possessed. And they walk in, and it's Tony Tony Lawrence, and she's possessed, and she's there's pig hoof prints all over the walls, which they allude to her being possessed by a pig, and then it's it's a very 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 glaring ripoff of. Wait, did this movie come out before? When did The Exorcist come out? Seventy six. Oh yeah, what is what? That just hit me right now. Yeah, but I think they refilmed those. Oh, they refilmed. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and say that. Yeah, there's no way they didn't. There's no way they didn't. Film. Rip off the exercise. Yeah, because yeah. you know, there's, there's one point where she starts screaming about like so suck your cock and all this stuff. Um so they tried to make this movie um as There's there's a few releases that I, I think were meant to capitalize on certain things. So the original Pigs is just a straight horror movie, and it seemed like it barely came out in seventy two. I mean, even the version that we saw has this trauma intro that was distributed by Troma, but the first version we watched, it was a later trauma distribution. Yeah. So um, I think they picked it up pretty early on, but it comes out as pigs. Then the daddy's girl thing is so this like later 70s, yes. early 80s sexploitation thing. Even the title sequence, which we didn't see on the version we watched, but it was on an alternate cut on the Blu-ray. It says daddy's girl on a girl's butt on her underwear. Well, it shows a, It shows like a close-up of a woman's rear end with a dress and then she flips the dress up yep. and it says daddy's girl like i don't mean there are credits over her ass i mean it literally says daddy's girl printed on the underwear which if you want to get it done um i know a company www.xlvacx.com that can Jesus do that for you Christ. um the, the, but the point is is that they, then they start off in this very urban setting which the whole movie has been uh the the majority of the film is at this ranch it's a very country film but this version would you, would you, would you call that a ranch i mean it is a ranch 
you wouldn't call that like a squat hole or a sure, sure, a sure. But that's not, that's not like my that. point. It's in like rural, sort of deserty California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the point is, is that this movie, this version, Daddy's Girl or Daddy's Deadly Darling or whatever version you want to talk about, um, it starts off in an urban context because that's the sort of gritty exploitation thing. Yeah, yeah. And it starts off with us seeing her silhouetted being abused by her father. Not directly, but you see that's basically what's happening. And then she murders her father. And then she's in an insane asylum. And she escapes from the insane asylum. And then all this other stuff happens till finally we're in the desert. Yes. The version that we watched the second time, which was actually watchable, um, not just because of the plot stuff, but the version that you can rent on streaming services is so dark it's impossible to see what's going on. Yeah. It's awful. So I would recommend the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray release. So the actual plot is there's a guy, he has pigs at his restaurant, uh, he raises the pigs, and basically these pigs have be gotten used to eating human flesh. Someone has fallen asleep among the pigs. The yes. pigs ate him. And now this dude grave robs in order to feed his pigs. So you already know he has problems. Yes. Then a woman shows up and it becomes clear over the course of the movie that she has problems. Yeah. That that first bit alone with, with Mark Lawrence feeding his pigs, that in and of itself could have been a horror movie. Mm-hmm. That's that alone could be a horror movie. But the way the movie works is like he's almost sympathetic because he's not murdering people to feed his pigs. He's also he's, he's, he's just, also not well. Yeah, I mean he's clearly got his own things going on. But He's just grave robbing. He's not a murderer. But she shows up. He feels bad for her. She clearly has issues. And as her issues unravel, it becomes clear that uh, there's something related to her father. There's something related to her and men. And when this one man uh, attempts to assault her, she gets away. But then later invites him back as if something has changed inside of her. And then she murders him. Yes. And the response of the restaurant owner when she sees this murdered man, when he sees this murdered man, is like, we're going to cover this up yeah how are we gonna cover this up oh great now i have a body to feed the pigs and then the movie goes from there of like slowly she's getting more and more irrational the local sheriff is kind of figuring out something's going on um the guy he has these neighbors who believe that he's murdering pigs but they themselves are also mentally unwell so they they take what is actually happening and sort of expound it to the point where he's turning people into pigs um (laughs) Hence the title, the Thirteenth Pig. Right, exactly. Which is which is funny because then at the end they're like, "Yeah, he had these twelve there's pigs," an and they're pig. like, "I think he did something wrong, Sheriff. I do, I do. There's, I counted. There's thirteen pigs. So it's like, I don't know if this guy turned into a pig." Uh, eventually, a doctor shows up looking for this woman. Now, like we said in the other version that we watched, and that you can see scenes from on the Blu-ray. This is immediately set up. You know what's going on with this woman. You see her murder her father because he's a rapist. Yes. You see her escape from the insane asylum. How does she escape from the insane asylum? Uh, the nurse starts fucking a doctor just in the hallway. <laughs> and so she like takes the nurse's outfit and escapes. And I say she very loosely because the way they filmed it, it's pretty clear they couldn't get Tony Lawrence back to film these scenes. And uh, that's why I brought that up originally is that both the exorcism scene, even though she's in it, she's clearly a different age. Yes. And then the the insane asylum scenes, it's just someone's arm. It's not even clear it's a woman's arm. Yeah. Uh, and and there are parts with a wig where it's like not her. The, the point being is that I think if we just focus on the main plot, 
it makes more sense that throughout the movie, you know that she might not be well, yeah. but it's a lot more subtle. You're slowly watching her lose touch with reality until when she finally just freaks out and murders this doctor. It's like the culmination. And eventually, she's going to murder this guy who's actually befriended and helped her because she's just too unstable. And he is drawn to her because she's so unstable because he himself is unstable. Yes. Now, the funny thing about this movie is what we just described, this this movie shouldn't work. This should not come across as like a well-made movie, but it really does. Like I, there, there's, there's a couple scenes in the movie where there's some of the cinematography is so, it's just, it's not what you'd expect from a film of this caliber from this time period. You know, there's a lot of like long shots with a changing camera angle where the camera will like track around people and have having a conversation. Um, Mark Lawrence does an amazing job of being like the kind of cantankerous but like compassionate old man. Like right. when like when he a real like and, he, and and not only that a real immigrant sort of yeah, mentality. Like he doesn't like he has no I don't think unless I miss something I don't think he has any alternative motives like ulterior motives of letting her stay here. Like at one no, point, not at when all. she's like not feeling well, he's like, "Hey, just go lay down and take a nap, and you 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 feel better." He's not like creepy, like you want to go lay down and take a nap. Like he he definitely has like a, a very like well meaning grandfather vibe to him. Um, and also there's a scene. It's like there's a scene where Tony Lawrence is like losing it, and she's like running around out in the desert, and the camera angles keep switching around. They're like doing these like far shots, and they pull in on her and. There's like multiple tracks of her screaming just things, and it's it's very jarring and like just unsettling. And her character arc, if I can call it that, sure, where she's descending in the madness, even like she remains sympathetic the whole time because the only person she kills is a guy who threatens to rape her. She murders more people later on, but I mean, but at first, that's later on when she's just gone. When she's like fucking gone, she murders people. But what 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 triggers her into getting back to to murdering her is this dude who's like, "Hey, come on, baby, I brought you out here to Lovers Lane. We're gonna park. We're gonna do some things. Come on, give me some sugar." And then she kills that guy, and you're like, "Okay, that guy kind of deserved it." But then there's this reoccurring motif where she's like talking to a cell phone, or yeah, cell phone. What the fuck? Into a payphone. She's talking to her dad, and then it's revealed at the end. She's just dialing a number and she's talking to the, I'm sorry, the number you have dialed cannot be completed. She's saying like she misses her dad and she's crying and it's really, really, really effective um, for a movie that one of the alternate titles is The Strange Love Exorcist. Well, there's a few things I want to say about that. I mean, first of all, in the, in the what we'll call the canonical version of the film... <laughs> um, in the main version of the film, it's very subtle what she's going through with mental illness, even though it eventually becomes over the top. At first, it's just not clear, and it makes her eventual freak out more effective because it's so kind of gradual. You know, she's a little more unsettled, a little more unsettled. And then even after she kills that guy, it's not clear at first that she's completely lost it or why. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's also really effective in the sense of like we don't they don't reveal right away what her backstory is, why she has these issues with her dad, what's going on there. Like all of that is more shrouded and that's way more effective than a movie that opens up with uh daddy daughter rape. Yes. You know yes, what I mean? Yes. Like that is it's so blunt and it's so I don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that the that could never work in a movie, just in this case it's so clearly 
to have seen that with this movie, it, it well, one of the things that really spoke to me is how much framing really is important. So whether it's the Exorcist intro or the sexploitation intro, the both of them actually kind of like cheapen and make the movie seem stupid. Yes, I agree. The version that's just her in the desert, where it's really just about her relationship. And yeah, you know, there's a little bit of like a gaze on her, but she's not like objectified in the most obvious sense. She, you want, you know, the, the camera wants you to think she's attractive, but it's not like, look, you know, it's not like exploitation. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. If there's an exploitation aspect to the film, it is more the backwoodsiness of it and the pigs. It's all these shots of the pigs. Yeah, yeah. And the pigs sort of represent this um, crazy thing, this sort of underlying insanity that we all have. And, and I think that that's sort of how you can see the whole movie. Like, okay, she's unsettled. Obviously, when she first shows up, she's upset. She's a little bit out there. Uh, and then we see that kind of un- unwound in the film. The dude clearly isn't doing great. He's feeding dead bodies to the pigs. No. The neighbors, also crazy. Even though they're right that he is doing something untoward with the pigs. They themselves are these shut-in ladies. The one lady never speaks. The other one's always talking to her as if she's going to speak, but she never says anything. Yeah. And they're just, oh, all this stuff to the sheriff. Even the dudes, this guy who she ends up killing at first, he comes around a lot. He seems normal at first, but the way he interacts with his guys, it suggests that they have their own kind of madness. Theirs is the madness of these hyper-masculine men who like, like sitting- she's the only hottie around here. Yeah, he's like, I could barely, I barely pop before she got on me. Like, it's, yeah, no it's, one uh, talks like that. Yeah, and, and not only that, when he does disappear, even, again, it's not that there's not something weird about this immigrant guy, but he has not hurt anyone. Yes, he feeds dead bodies to the pigs. That is true. But there's not like all this evidence of it. It's it's like this thing where you get the feeling that even if he is weird or even if he's doing something wrong, yeah. Everyone accuses him because of his funny accent or because there's something off about I mean, him. He's also uh, an amateur magician called the Great Zambini. I think that's part of what's going on. So yeah. the point is is that the guy goes missing and the dudes are like, Zambini did it. Now, <laughs> Zambini is implicated. He hides the body for the lady, but he didn't kill anyone. Yeah. And in fact, until it's revealed at the very end that she's a nut job, no one suspects her. She's there too. She easily could be the one murdering these people, yes. but everyone's like, fucking Zambini. A, yeah. I know Zambini. This- he's Italian. I know he's doing something in there. <laughs> he is, he is a, uh- this guy who tries to uh, who attempts to rape Tony Lawrence and then is killed the, the the day he disappears this guy's friends are in a fucking truck ready for vigilante justice like ready to they're gonna go fuck up Zambini they're gonna go lynch Zambini um, also that guy who tried to rape her that fucking sandwich he eats in the cafe is the worst sandwich I've ever seen. There's literally a scene. Okay, here's the thing. Let's let's let, we're we're saying most of the positive things. Let's just highlight a few insane things about this movie. Okay, first of all, the restaurant. It sucks. No one's ever made a meal in this restaurant. Yeah. There's no evidence that you would ever want to eat in there. And this is what I found. And this is just, this is a note for me as a meat eater. Justin, of course. As a vegan. As a vegan. Would never even think of this. But my man has a restaurant next to which he keeps a million fucking pigs. Just like, well, a dozen pigs. But they're giant, giant, giant pigs. He's got these giant pigs. There is no pork products on the menu. Like, you yeah. don't keep pigs next to your food establishment just because of their ambiance. Like, yeah. you're just like, you know what makes people want to eat here? The shit smell. 
They really there's, like it. There really is. If you have a restaurant and you have a dozen pigs outside, it's for one of two reasons. Slaughtering the pigs for barbecue products. Right. Feeding the pigs dead bodies. <laughs> that, that's, that's, it. It. that's it. That's Those it. Those are the whole things. And at no point is he cooking a pig ever in this movie. Now, he maintains, well, he's going to cash in on these pigs someday. But I, I just don't... Like, what, what, what is it? <sighs> Do they lay golden eggs? Like, what does that mean? So, okay. They didn't really put a lot into the food part. And then even when people are eating, like we said, this guy, it looks like he's just eating white bread. <laughs> he's just <laughs> eating it. It's so weird. It's so gross. But the only reason to bring it up is, and let me back this up too, there is one sane character in the film. And that is the sheriff. The sheriff, yeah. And actually, what I thought was really amazing is, uh, I also think the poorest acting in the film is the sheriff at first. Like, when I'm first watching it, I'm like, I don't know, he's such a flat note. But it actually works for the movie because it's like everyone else in the movie is a character. They're all, have all these rough edges and weirdness yeah. and eccentric. And then the one guy, he's not just normal, he's like milk toast. Like, yeah, the sheriff like, is just like, well, I don't know. Like, well, just, yeah. you know, just is who he is. It's very... It's an interesting contrast that really works for telling the story of the movie. So much so that, as Justin said, there's these interesting shots. There's a lot of like weird close-up things. That the parts that don't make any sense. Like at one point, they want to come out and investigate the pigs because again, everyone's just sure that something's going on with these pigs, and they're not wrong. But it's just funny how they know they're they're, they're accusing the pigs. Yeah. And my man Zambini just steps. There's a there's an actual a fucking severed hand. hand. There's a hand on there's the ground. There's a severed hand. And he just puts his foot on it to cover it up, and no one notices. And it's one of those moments where you're like, there's so many things in this movie that work so well. That's so weird. That and the food thing just were like two. Now, again, I think the movie actually is surprisingly effective. And, and, I, and I like the mental health thing as a theme. It's not just... It is in very many ways a, a house of psychotic women sort of movie. It is yeah. a movie about the psychosis that women sort of go through in some ways. But... If you really look at it, everyone in the movie is crazy but the sheriff. And the sheriff is just sort of like riding the wave of the weirdness just of life. Just dealing with it, yeah. Just, okay, here we go. This is what we're doing. Um, and I think all that was really effective, even then how all of that is represented by the pigs. There are so many shots where something untoward or something crazy or something sort of uh, uncomfortable is happening and we cut to the pigs and the pigs are always pushing at the pen they want to be out yes. they want to be out and about and even the neighbors are like he's letting those pigs out the pigs are out and there's this feeling that the pigs represent this craziness under the surface for all of us and they're going to break loose or whatever well, and it's such a weird little I'm making it sound like it's super deep I'm not trying to say it's deep but it is one of those few kind of film metaphors that actually is effective where you really feel it. Yeah. And I think it, it, it's, it's, it's that, that sense that the pigs mean something more is um, there's a few times in this movie when uh, Tony Lawrence is like just walking and all of a sudden you just hear briefly like a pig screaming and it's, she's like, what the, f she's like looking the around. The pigs in this movie sound like velociraptors, yeah. by the way. And, and, no, at one scene, in one scene, I was like, I'm pretty sure that was just a Godzilla noise. I'm pretty sure that's like, Batra that they just like put in the movie but there's also like uh, a scene where Tony Lawrence has a nightmare where she's killed by Mark Lawrence's character and when she's screaming it shifts it's like her it's like a shot of her screaming but the sound is pig screaming um, and it's it's very jarring um, and I think goes along with the idea that these pigs represent this like uh, this pent up uh, restrained id that is just, just this fucking close to just bursting out and doing all kinds of damage. 
it's a very effective movie. And what's what I would say about it is it's funny because it is in that sense with the pigs in comparison to the cats and uh, there's a little bit of a sex theme going on, but it's not that much. It has similarities to Night of a Thousand Cats, but I think Pigs is surprisingly smart, whereas Night of a Thousand Cats is enjoyable, but it's at its essence pretty stupid, you know? <laughs> and so, like, it's just funny how similar they are when they're so utterly different. Yeah. But I would also say Night of a Thousand Cats, in my mind, would be a fun movie to put on with a group of friends. I don't, you would have to have a certain group of friends. Like, your friends would have to be the right kind of people that you'd be like, let's put Pigs on. Yeah, Pigs is not, P- Pigs is a movie that. It's a little too. It it's not as like, uh, I mean, it, it's not as like winking and nodding at the audience as the as as. There's almost no winking and nodding. There's no no no. Everything is played straight. Everything is played. Um, this isn't like a like a a so bad it's good movie. This is just like a again the budget was a hundred thousand dollars, and it, they they did a lot with it. They they definitely created a film that. Um, really 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 showed just how horrifying mental illness can be like mental illness and just general assholery because those 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 oil yeah. worker guys they're not mentally ill they're just fucking dickheads well but there's an insanity to what they're doing like they clearly are not all there themselves they all they want to do is fuck and kill like that's sort of their motive like all they want to hear about is how the only attractive woman they know for miles that their friend might have like you know bed her yeah and then as soon as they think something went on with their friend they're like so stoked to like murder zambini yeah yeah it's like all they have in their lives are these two things all this creepy weird unhealthy homoeroticism like unacknowledged homoeroticism just flowing amongst the oil fields yeah 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 there's just there's just a lot of pent-up maleness in a very uh, toxic way there also the oil field they're working at is just like a drum a tank. A, yeah there's yeah, there's nothing you never see no, them do any actual work there's, there's there's one shitty oil pump yeah right in the middle of a field and like that's the oil field oh my gosh anyways um yeah i was surprised by pigs i didn't know anything about it um i guess uh, what is his name again mark lawrence? mark lawrence mark lawrence apparently had a long career as a character actor yes uh, yes working way back into like the golden age and so um uh, but he had to mortgage his house to like make this movie like it was it was like a a, a kind of a passion project so i guess that explains all these rebirths of the movie trying to get the money back like yeah we're gonna shoot some new stuff and release it as this kind of movie or do that kind of but it like i don't know about you it actually kind of bummed me out like seeing the actual version of the movie and realizing both how effective it is and also how serious it is knowing there's all these other like shitty versions that are trying to be like raunchy and sexy even the 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 daddy's girl one the ending they add this extra ending where it's like she gets free and she picks up another dude and he immediately hits on her and she's like oh yeah because she's gonna murder him after they have sex it's like so unnecessary and so it almost is like threatening as if like you would be watching this the dude going oh man i gotta be careful now when i hit on some random chick in the road she might want to kill me yeah, oh yeah. no like oh jesus really like i uh, i say all that to say that uh if if you have the opportunity just watch the normal pigs the normal cut of pigs it's very that's good. on the vinegar syndrome uh blu-ray because the other stuff it just i get why it existed i know people had to do what they had to do to kind of like get by and make money but it's depressing it's depressing these other versions 
Yeah. Um, so I think that's about it for uh, for pigs. Check it out. Again, uh, Liam had said, you know, if if you like, I I would suggest don't even bother trying to find it like on any sort of network. Just go buy it right from video, from Vinegar Syndrome. That's the one that we can confirm one hundred percent is the good version. That's one we watched. And if you're curious about the other sort of additives, like the alternate beginning, alternate ending, they're on the Blu-ray. Yeah, there are so special you, you get to see them. But I think watching it theatrically, it's better to just watch that original. Agreed, agreed. And, and again, we're, I don't want to blow it up too much. I mean, there are corny special effects. The blood doesn't look real. There's weird shit like where Mark Lawrence just comes into the house, dressed as a magician with like a fucking weird Mortise prosthetic nose on. Yeah, what is that? I don't know. And, and some of the dream sequences are definitely strange. But I, I don't know. It feels like a passion project. It feels like Mark Lawrence wanted to do this thing. He cast his daughter. And uh, and it works. And she is... I'm actually surprised she didn't work more after this. Like, yeah. Not in like... I don't think she would have had a huge Hollywood career, but she could have done more horror and stuff. And yeah, this was... I don't tra- think she did that much you know, after th- this. This was connected to trauma. Like, she had, you know... Sure. And, you know, her father, I mean, he wasn't like... It wasn't like she's like, I don't know, like Kirk Douglas's daughter. But, you know, she... she you know, Mark Lawrence is a, was a well-known actor. Like, she could have done more and just kind of sucks that she didn't, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she's happy. There's a special feature interview with her on the Blu-ray that we haven't watched. So maybe in that she's like, I'm so glad I didn't act more. They were like, oh, well, so. fuck I, us. Whatever. I, I hope so. Yeah. 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 So anyways, um, thanks for listening. I love I, I really liked P- I, this is a fun episode for me because I really liked pigs and I think Night of a Thousand Cats is a crazy ass movie. So yeah, I'd, it was um, good. Uh, hopefully people aren't frustrated that they're not really animal attack movies but yeah we're both, sorry they're both movies that involve animals yeah being wild if you were expecting night of without if you were expecting a rampage in the space of a single night at the hands or paws of a thousand cats or if you were expecting pigs to be like you know pigs attacking killing people i'm i'm sorry i mean they definitely eat people in the movie yeah but it's like they'll, they're not like dang they're not like malevolent pigs they're not like evil they're not like you know they're just there they're hanging out Eating human flesh. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a little creepy. Yeah, but pigs by nature are creepy. They're very smart, and they got the eyes, and they can open things with their snouts. Okay, that is kind of weird. <laughs> okay, so um, thanks always for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at TheHarbiz666. Uh, find us on Facebook at TheHarbiz666. You can email, email us at gmail at theharbiz at gmail. Uh, Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and message us with your address. We'll send you some free swag. Got some swag to send out. I sent out a bunch this past week, so thanks to anyone who wrote in. Um, Oh, also, thanks to uh, Jacob and Tab on the test patterns for giving us a a shout-out. They recently did an episode, like an It retrospective, and uh, I wrote a thing for it, and they read it, and it was me saying way too much. It was fine. It was okay. But yeah, they gave us a little shout out. So thanks, Jacob and Tab. Um, you should go listen to them. It's Test Patterns. Um, yeah, rate, review, subscribe, and tell all your friends to rate, review, and subscribe. And then download, 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 download. Uh, big ups to uh, our Patreon subscribers. We hit $100. Uh, we hit $100 a month. That's pretty great. Yeah. Um, I had all these unrealistic expectations for what we could do with $100, and then I actually like met with the Cinepunks people virtually and said, okay, this is what we got. What can we do? And then we realized that we can't do that much. So um, we need more people to uh, 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 subscribe. I mean, there's some fun things we can do with that money, but what I want to do more than anything is just pay people. Yeah. Uh, and we're just not there yet with 
because we still have you know, it just costs money to run a website so yeah 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 um i i want to get to our next goal which is 500 dollars, um and hopefully from there we can start paying writers and all that sort of stuff um uh but uh oh, there's a number of people who did the patreon who haven't quite gotten their benefits yet including we owe at least two people co like 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 episodes of hard business like they're should be on the show who's that uh grace kim that's one of the people who's okay. at that level and then the newest person which i don't have your information in front of me because you just we just had someone commit that put us over the 100 okay he's at the 15 dollar level so he gets he fucking yes my yes. man gets like two episodes yeah and something on cinepunks and i think he gets like a shitload of t-shirts and the, part of the thing with the patreon is like as, as, for those of you who don't know cinepunks.com is a conglomerate of people with all the different shows it's like 35 different people who are either like writing a little bit or helping with social media or have a podcast or whatever. But when it comes to like the everyday stuff of like getting episodes edited or taking care of the Patreon, it's it's actually like a one man show. It's sort of like a one man show where like everyone is playing triangle, but then I'm playing like a bass guitar and a drum set at the same time. And like, I, I'm like, man, I should give someone else one of these instruments and it just hasn't quite worked out yet. I mean, we, we can't do it without the help of everybody, but I bring it up with the Patreon just because right now, like no one else even has the login for the Patreon. It's just me. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I need to like start fulfilling some of our stuff. So I did send a couple people t-shirts who committed at the very beginning, but some of you might be thinking like, you know, I never got my Cinepunk shirt. We haven't forgotten about you. I haven't gotten to do an episode yet you're that's happening so and some of you just have to be on longer um some of the rewards only kick in after you've committed for like three months or four months so if you are wondering feel free to message us i message people on patreon all the time who are uh patrons and i say hey man give me your address so i can send you a t-shirt and then they almost never get back to me so um please 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 check your patron patreon account hit us up and we want to make sure some of you uh can pick topics for us for hard business some of you have art coming from mikey smack some of you picked other rewards just make sure to remind us so we can get it to you because you know right now the part of the reason we need the money is because we don't have that many people yet to like help us get this thing going so while we're still small hit us up and let us know because i want to make sure you get what you paid for besides also all the stuff you're getting for free anyway because we're awesome yeah and while you're at www.cinepunks.com, if you're checking out our Patreon, also check out some of the other great podcasts we have on there, yep. including but not limited to Cinepunks, Black Sun Dispatches, Loud Fast Philly, Got Me a Movie, and The Mandate, which I will be on in a few weeks with my man John. Who are you doing? The, which, which movie? We're doing you're... it. He and I are going to see it together. <sighs> That's Shout out to John Wren, who uh, a few weeks ago, This is Hardcore, convinced me to mosh during Earth Crisis. <laughs> Talk of course he did. My man got me to do it. Of course so, he did. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, thanks as always for listening. Um, you know, feel free to engage us over any kind of social media. Like I said, we. I will mean, s- not me, just Justin. You can engage later too. <laughs> Send me. Your, I will give you the phone number if you email me. No. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thanks for listening and stay tuned. We got the next episode we're going to do is the fourth and final part of Animals Gone Wild. The saga concludes with slugs and frogs, and I am excited to talk about both of them. So thank you for listening, and as always, stay creepy. Or spoopy. Or spoopy, either one. Don't talk, just listen. Under the black sun there is no hope. Only mystery, wonder, and danger. 
Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinepunks Podcast Network.